Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these uh, first chapters of uh, Genesis of the book that we have. Thank you for the beauty of it. Thank you for showing us uh, who you are. And we pray this morning that you'll show us uh, more of who mankind, human beings, suffer uh, from an identity crisis. I think uh, we're told um, that we're descended from apes, that we're here by accident, uh, and we don't really know who we are. And if we're here by chance, then what is the point of life? What is the meaning of life? There, if we're here by chance, there's no hope. There's no hope for anyone. If human beings uh, are a product of chance, then as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, we might as well eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Well, as we come to this chapter uh, in Genesis this morning, chapter 2, as we zoom in from the wide view of creation uh, down to the creation of God's pinnacle, uh, mankind, we see uh, that we're not here by chance, we're not here by accident, but actually we are unique beings created in the image of God. Last week we saw the Lord of creation uh, who existed before all things, creating everything out of nothing by his powerful word. Everything he made uh, was good. It was very good, is the last thing uh, that he said about his creation. And so this morning, uh, he takes us into that, uh, that time when he created uh, the first man, when he created uh, us, when he created human uh, beings. And there are three things, uh, three headings for us this morning. And the first one uh, is the person. The person, verse uh, for this is the account of the heavens and the earth uh, when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Uh, as you read through Genesis, you see this refrain uh, so often. This is the account of, these are the generations of. Um, they crop up uh, as headings for what is to follow. They split up uh, Genesis uh, into sections. Whenever you see that, it's the marker of a new section uh, in Genesis. And so here we have this new section uh, as we zoom in uh, and we're told how man is created. Last week we saw uh, how the Lord made the uninhabitable inhabitable. Uh, and then having created that environment, he put the thing to live in it. Uh, and today the thing that we see uh, the inhabitant is uh, mankind. And right at the beginning, verse 5 and 6, we see that the land needs someone to work it. None of the food-bearing plants were bearing fruit. There was no grain to eat. And the reason for that was because there was no one there to cultivate the land. There was no one there to work it. The water was rising up from the ground, but there was no one to dig the trenches for the irrigation system that was needed to grow uh, the food plants. And so we read in verse 7, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The Lord God created, he made a man from the dust. I don't know if you noticed it, uh, the difference 
uh, from chapter 1 uh, and in chapter 2. Here in chapter 2 we get uh, the Lord God. The Lord God did this, the Lord God said this. Whereas in chapter 1 we just get God. We, it's, it's the word uh, in chapter 2, we get Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh, you'll remember from Exodus when we were in that book, uh, is the name of the Lord. And so as God creates uh, man, we get a sense of this intimate, personal uh, relationship. We get the name of God as he creates uh, man. We get God's personal name. And we see then this close relationship between God and the man, his creation. And the Lord takes the dust like a skillful uh, potter creating a beautiful vase out of clay. Uh, the Lord skillfully and masterfully takes the dust of the ground uh, and forms a man. And then uh, we get this, uh, this picture uh, of the Lord breathing life into what he has created. It's, it's the picture of uh, standing face to face, face and then somebody blowing uh, into the face uh, of the other person. And so we see the Lord blowing this breath of life uh, into the man he has created. It again shows us this uh, personal relationship that man was created to have with uh, its creator. In chapter 1 we have uh, all living things having the breath of life in them. But the difference here is that man, mankind, is made in the image of God. We are unique uh, when it comes to all of God's creation. We're not here by accident. We're here by design, made in the image of God by the creator, God. And we're made to be in relationship with our creator. That is what we were made uh, to do. And so right at the beginning of chapter two, we see this closeness of relationship as God formed uh, the man, as he breathed uh, the breath of life into the man. We, we see that man is made to have this close relationship uh, with the Lord God, our creator. So we have the person. Secondly, we have uh, the place, verse 8 uh, through to 17. Verse 8, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, with the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. So the Lord uh, planted this garden. Uh, and we, it, it, we think of garden as this enclosed area. So think of it like a park with uh, hedges around it. Uh, and the Lord planted this garden, this enclosed area, and he put man into this garden, uh, and his job was to cultivate the land. The Garden of Eden is not a mythical made-up place. The Garden of Eden is a real place, and we see that it's a real place. As uh, verse 10 
through to verse 14, lists all these names of the rivers and the name, names of the lands. Eden was a real place. We don't know where it is. It's disappeared now. Um, but it was a real place. Uh, and this garden was uh, everything that the man uh, could ever need. It was pleasing to the eye. It was filled with all kinds uh, of trees. This time of year is amazing for that, isn't it? When we look out and see the trees. We have a blossom tree in our garden with a white blossom on it. It's beautiful to look at. It's, it's amazing. And we see that kind of thing all over the place when we look at the trees during this season. And this garden that God had planted for the man and put the man into, it's a paradise. It is everything the man could ever need. Some would say that paradise is a place uh, where you lie in a hammock under a palm tree and you're waited on hand and foot uh, for the rest of your life. Well, that's not the paradise that we have here that God created uh, in the Garden of Eden for man. Adam was placed there in this garden of paradise to work. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Adam was put in there to work uh, the land. And so we see work as a good thing. Some people long to be free from work. But work is a good thing. It's part of God's original good uh, creation. Work is literally to serve. And take care is literally to guard, to keep. So Adam was put in this garden to serve and to guard uh, the creation. We were made to work. We were made to work. And, and not just work in the sense of paid work. We were made to work. Uh, so I speak and have spoken to lots of people who are now retired or who were looking forward to retirement and as they looked forward to retirement, they were looking so much forward to having a rest and relaxing all day long. Whereas when you speak to those people again, once they get to retirement, they're more busy now than they ever were in their whole lives. Because we're made to work. We were created to work. Colossians 3, Paul says, whatever you do, work heartily is for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. When we work, we're serving the Lord. That is what Adam was doing in the garden. And that is what we're made to do. We're made to work. And as we work, we serve uh, the Lord. Work is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And so whatever our work is, whatever way we serve the Lord, whether that's um, a paid job, whether that's doing volunteer work, whether that's cleaning the house, whether that's cooking uh, meals for people, whether that's looking after children, uh, looking after uh, relatives, whatever it is, whatever our work is, uh, for the, it is for the Lord because we're made to work. We're made to work and serve uh, the Lord. And then we get these two trees that are mentioned uh, that are in the middle of the garden. We've got the tree of life and we've got the tree of the knowledge of good 
uh, an evil. And it's here where we get a, a command uh, from the Lord God. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. The, the Lord has uh, built certain principles into his creation, into us. We all have a conscience. Generally, we all know what is right and what's wrong, what is good and what isn't. And we know that because that's the way we've been made. God has created us with a conscience. And so God gives this command to Adam, you can eat from any tree in the garden except this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Enjoy everything, but do not eat from that tree. John Calvin writes in his commentary on, uh, on Genesis, therefore, abstinence from the fruit of one tree was a kind of first lesson in obedience that man might know he had a director and lord of his life on whose will he, he ought to depend and in, in whose commands he ought to acquiesce. And this truly is the only rule of living well and rationally that men should exercise themselves in obeying God. And so, again, we see that the law of God is a good thing. It's not something that came after the fall to keep us all in check. Uh, God created uh, all things with uh, his law involved. God's law is a good uh, thing. Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You will keep my commandments. When we obey, we show our love uh, for God. And so Adam and Eve were given this command, do not eat from that tree. Uh, and as, if they obeyed that, uh, it would be a way of them showing their love for their creator. But we know uh, that we don't live up to God's law. We know we often uh, fail in keeping God's commandments. And so when we fall, just like Adam and Eve did, and we'll see that next week, uh, we can be confident that we have an advocate uh, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John chapter 2. The law of God is good, and we should seek to live in obedience to it. Because as we obey God's commands, it shows our love for our creator. And so God gives uh, this garden to Adam uh, as a blessing to him. It's uh, this special place uh, where God's presence is. Uh, and, and that's part of the blessing, uh, that God and man are in fellowship together. Uh, and the Lord provides abundantly for his creation, eat every tree apart from this one. Uh, and then we see these streams flowing through the garden and out uh, of the garden. It's a picture uh, of God's blessing throw, uh, flowing from his uh, presence out uh, to the world. So we've got the person, we've got the place, and thirdly, we've got the partner. Verse 18. The Lord God said, 
it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable uh, for him. What do you notice about that verse? It's the first time that we hear that something is not good. Last week we got that refrain, it is good, it is good, it is good, and at the end it is very good. Here we get God saying it is not good. There is something not good, uh, something not right. Uh, and it's that Adam uh, is alone. It's not good uh, for Adam, the man, to be alone. So uh, the Lord brings the animals uh, to Adam, and Adam goes through naming them, uh, and that's part of his, as we saw in chapter 1, part of his uh, dominion over creation. But as he goes through naming these animals, we get this sense uh, of his loneliness building. As he goes from one animal and names it to the next, to the next, to the next, we end up with no suitable helper uh, for Adam. And so this sense of loneliness builds as we go through those verses. There is no match suitable for the man. And so verse 21, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So the Lord goes to work and does something about this thing that is not good, the loneliness of the man, and he forms a woman. Not from the ground as he did with the man, but from the man himself. The Lord God makes a suitable helper for the man. And Adam, seeing what the Lord had made as he brought the woman to the man, he burst into song. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. The creation uh, of woman from the man's side supplies what was missing uh, from his perfect happiness. Let me say uh, at this point that helper is not a demeaning term. It is used elsewhere uh, of God as the helper uh, for his people. It points, uh, it points us to the fact that the husband needs and even depends on the support and help of uh, his wife. There's, not, there's no sense here of uh, an inferior position held by the woman. As we saw in our Corinthian studies, uh, there's a distinction. There's no distinction in equality. We're all made in the image of God. But there is a distinction in roles, in gender roles. And that's what we see uh, here. There's no place uh, for a, a sense of superiority by the man or the husband. It's a picture of a jigsaw with a missing piece. And the Lord creates that missing piece to complete uh, the man. The man is incomplete without his wife. And so we have this beautiful uh, joining together of the man uh, and the woman side by or with him. Under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved. It's a beautiful picture of completeness. Verse 24, 
That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. In this relationship, in this marriage, in this union, it's characterized by harmony and intimacy. There is a leaving and a cleaving and a becoming one flesh. There's a sticking together as they're united. And now in this union of man and wife, as they are united together, they can go about fulfilling uh, what God had said in chapter 1, as he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. It's an amazing picture uh, as they're brought together. Uh, And as they're brought together, they're naked and feel no shame. They're completely unashamed uh, by one another. When our children were younger, they would, um, most days, probably, run around the house completely naked. No clothes on at all. They would just be having fun, charging around the house, dancing, doing whatever. And they would do that with no shame. And and that's what we have here. They're they're like children, uh, unashamed uh, of their nakedness. We were created, as we've seen, to be in relationship with God. But we were also created to be in relationship uh, with others. For many, that will be uh, marriage. And marriage is God's beautiful uh, design to be a union between a man uh, and a woman. But there will be some who remain single. Uh, and as Paul says in Corinthians, that in some ways being single is better. But whether in marriage or in singleness, we're made to live in community. We're made to have uh, companionship, lifelong companionship, whether that is in marriage or in a lifelong friendship. God created us to be in relationship with himself and with others. And so in this wonderful chapter, chapter 2, we see the person, the man formed out of the dust of the ground and given the breath of life. We see this person created to be in relationship uh, with God. We see the place of man, God's people in God's place, enjoying uh, God's blessing. And we see the partner of man, as man and woman are united uh, as one, as he is made uh, complete. So this morning, rejoice as people made in the image of God. Rejoice uh, that in Jesus, um, we are in the place of God. We are enjoying uh, God's presence as his people through uh, Jesus. And give thanks uh, to God. Rejoice in him uh, that we have a wife or a husband or we have lifelong companions and we all uh, have those uh, companions within the church uh, that we were created uh, to have. See again how amazing and awesome is the Lord 
our God. Amen.